This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Colonel Alan West at the bottom of the hour, but right now you, 1-866-408-7669. So much going on today. Uh, there's going to be a vote. Uh, we're going to find about a filibuster, the future there. We'll also find about the, the future of voting in, a, in America as we try to get some voting integrity. And the Democrats say, if you don't vote with me, you're a racist. Unbelievable, right? So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. At this hour, I just want to be clear. We don't know whether or not Vladimir Putin will invade Ukraine, but he's putting in place all the pieces to do so. Yeah, that's uh, Jeremy Bash. All eyes on China and Russia as we see a push to get uh, sponsors. Uh, we uh, quick uh, push to get sponsors to bow out of the Beijing Winter Olympics over the disaster human rights record as one NBA owner makes his opinion clear. Meanwhile, a bipartisan group of lawmakers show up in Ukraine to show their support as fear of a ground invasion looms. Oh, and North Korea continues to fire off missiles. What else is new? Number two. President Joe Biden has had a very tough week with setbacks uh, for his agenda. One year in, Mr. Biden has the second lowest approval rating ever measured in the White House and has never been less popular nationally. The country is frustrated. A few days away from his one-year anniversary of inauguration, and it is black. It is very dark for him right now. No question. One year in to a four-year reign, Biden stands damaged, angry, and his party paying the price. As Republican popularity surges and has not stopped Democratic leadership from voting on doomed voting bills and a filibuster destruction, of course, their claim is if you vote against it, you're racist. Number one. If you can't keep criminals off the street, you're not going to have safe streets. This isn't really hard. This is simple stuff. They have, or have an agenda. Their agenda is very simple. It's to ignore the law in order to support their own interests. And it starts with these liberal DAs who do not want to prosecute people that the police actually arrest. Uh, that is so true. And Byron Donalds knows it. He is an upcoming star uh, congressman over in Florida. Uh, crime is crushing American cities. Random acts of murder are targeting of police has shaken some of the nations uh, to, to the core, except for some woke DAs and their criminal clients. So what does President Biden do about this? Promise executive action on police reform. I kid you not. He said took from last week when he got those epic fails of Supreme Court shooting him down and the uh, mansion and cinema shooting him down on filibuster and the election, all his election reform falling flat on his face. He said, I'm going to come back with police reform. Why? He believes it helps him with minorities. He believes it's going to help him with Hispanics and African-Americans. I don't think so, because, you know, to fund the police almost lost them the house last time. What we're seeing now is not gang shooting gangs, which is bad, but people are removed from it. Most people don't even know somebody in a gang. But you might know a 24-year-old UCLA grad who decides to work in a furniture store because she's going for her graduate degree and ends up stabbed to death by a homeless person. You might know a 40-year-old master's 
uh, grad from NYU who wants to sit while waiting for a subway at 9.40 in the morning on a Saturday and gets tossed in front of the train by a deranged homeless man. You might think to yourself, uh, I can't really relate to that, but what about the fact that you might have a 19-year-old niece or daughter that wants to work in a Burger King to put her way through school and then gets shot to death because some other vagrant, some career criminal from another country here illegally decides he wants to shoot an American and scream he wants reparations. When you do things like that, while 73 cops lose their lives after being targeted on the job, and your reaction is, rein in cops, you do not belong to be president of the United States. He has shown us this year this president does not belong to be president of the United States. But he is proving it now. When, when the chips are down and you're in a crisis and your answer is what I just told you, you clearly have don't have a good advisor on your staff. You don't have a good advisor on your staff, and your instincts are absolutely horrific. And that's what we're witnessing now. Uh, so we'll talk about crime in America. We're also going to talk about losing America because the president of the United States is uh, now seeing being heading up a party that when he took office was up by five. They are now down by nine. Nine points in the overall uh, poll for the Gallup poll that has been done every year since 1990. The biggest turnaround in history. So why is that? Because Joe Biden's been absolutely awful. Republican policies were much more effective, even if they did not like Trump. So because of that, we're seeing the media, surprisingly to a degree, call out what they're seeing. And I, you know, thinking about it, CNN doesn't have a choice. They have lost 90% of their ratings. 90% of their ratings since Donald Trump left office. And they're backing this guy. And he's absolutely awful. It's not even controversial to say he's absolutely awful. He has spent, get this, a third of his time at his house in Delaware. When asked, or his two houses, he goes, I like it. Then why did you even vie for the White House? Listen, if you don't believe that other stations have collapsed for now on the president, we watched for you because you don't. Cut 15. President Joe Biden has had a very tough week with setbacks uh, for his agenda, COVID complications and the Supreme Court blocking his vaccine mandate. One year in, Mr. Biden has the second lowest approval rating ever measured in the White House and has never been less popular nationally. 2022 is not exactly off to a good start for the Biden administration. The country is frustrated. His party is frustrated. We're two weeks into a midterm election year, a few days away from his one-year anniversary of inauguration, and it is black. It is very dark for him right now. Now he's in the midst of what one famous children's book writer called a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad time. Need I say, uh, for some reason, CBS did a poll and says he has 44 percent approval. But Quinnipiac leans left, 33 percent approval. That's more like it. Uh, when it comes to the economy, 38% approved, 38% approved of the economy. One thing about Trump, he always had high marks on that because he had great instincts and experience on that. And when it comes to inflation, it's the number one issue that concerns you. And only 30% of the country approved the way he's handling inflation. Not solely responsible, but his response is, get this, when asked, what would improve your opinion of the president? 63% said, get inflation down. So his rough week will continue. For some reason, his party wants to take a vote of the filibuster today, and then they're going to vote uh, eventually, I think tomorrow, on election integrity. They think it's restricting elect uh, uh, minorities from voting. 
It's an insult to every freedom fighter uh, in our past to think that in 2022 that if they are actually trying to push Republican, push the American public to think that if Republicans aren't support this, they don't want black people to vote like it's 1965 or 1875. What a joke. Here's James Carville, who says the, the Democratic Party should just be emphasizing things they have done well. Cut 16. Quit being a whiny party and get out there and, and fight and tell people what you did. You run on what you got. You don't run on what you didn't get. And the stuff you got is pretty good. If they don't pass voting rights, if they don't pass Build Back Better, run on that in 2022. That's exactly what, uh, what Bill Clinton said. He said, you know, yeah, Build Back Better. It's way too big. It's not going to pass, right? It's way too expensive. We're in an inflationary cycle. The economy's struggling. The labor participation rate is so down. So, so what Clinton said, pick out something that Joe Manchin will agree to and Kristen Sinema will agree to, put it up, pass it, and then run on what didn't pass and see what happens. But instead, you just take the epic fail and you come to the Capitol Hill to get punched in the gut. It's crazy. But about the media changing so quickly, I know they want him out if they start bringing up Hunter Biden. Now, Congressman Ro Kahana yesterday said, you know, we probably wasn't right for the New York Post story on Hunter Biden to be sidelined. No kidding. But now they're beginning to rumble. Because Hunter Biden is corrupt as the day is long, and the president was involved in that. Tony Bobolinsky revealed that for us, but you didn't care. Not you, but them. So uh, Bacha Unger Sargon of Newsweek, who's a media observer and writer, was on with Tucker last night. She also noticed what's happening out there with the media. Cut 23. And the Democrats and Joe Biden and their media are increasingly very much on the side of the highly educated progressive elites. And I think that you're really seeing this come out on issues like the vaccine mandate, whether schools should be closed, whether children should be in masks, whether you as a parent have a right to say what your child should be studying. On all of these issues, these have divided working class Americans from these highly educated progressive elites. And they are so unpopular as a result. The, The popularity of the president is in the toilet, the popularity of the Democratic Party is in the toilet because regular Americans, middle class Americans, working class Americans just don't agree with them on any of these issues. They are divided by class. And I think that what we're seeing here is, you know, the media's attempt to essentially scapegoat Joe Biden for their own complicity in being on the wrong side of America's class divide. But he has been worse than even the media thought. I think she's right. I would add into crime. That was our original talker. That was the opener. I would add in crime on that. Uh, obviously, how hard is it to get people weigh in against criminals? That's what they're doing. You got to flood the zone with cops. You got to prosecute people uh, with aggression, and then you got to start cleaning up the streets. And then you give the people that are secure, and then you look back and see if there's something you could do about uh, criminals and some type of mid-step when it comes to mental illness. But right now, you have to protect us. So when I was mentioning that Gallup poll, I'll get you exactly. So when the President Biden took over last year, right today, he was up nine points, Democrat-Republican, when it comes to party identification. Now, 2021, last quarter, fourth quarter, 47-42, Republican over Democrat. Uh, what a epic change. It is a major change. So you factor all that in. So let's just focus on what we're also talking about, and that is another overseas catastrophe. The weakness in which we left Afghanistan, which we have more revelations on, which we'll discuss later, uh, about what they knew about the fall of that government ahead of time is really uh, unbelievably jaw-dropping and, and 
uh, and infuriating. But now we look at Germany sending a diplomat over a foreign minister over to Moscow. We see a bipartisan group of senators go over to Ukraine, uh, Kiev. And then we see a further building up of arms on the border. And I think an invasion could be next. Here's Jeremy Bash, NBC's national security analyst, Cut24. The United States has correctly assessed with our NATO allies that Russia is putting in place all the pieces to launch a massive invasion of Ukraine. And of course, Mm -hmm. Russia has invaded two other countries in the last decade. They've conducted cyber attacks. They've used chemical weapons in Europe. And I think the United States has been really clear, Mirka, that that essentially Russia, no, you cannot redraw the borders of Europe by force. No, you can't tell a country who to be an ally with. No, you can't force a conversation about European security without the Europeans in the room. So I think the United States diplomacy to try to deter and prevent this conflict has been very clear. But at this hour, I just want to be clear, we don't know whether or not Vladimir Putin will invade Ukraine, but he's putting in place all the pieces to do so. So he's trying to intimidate and try to get them to sign off on NATO, never expanding to the Ukraine, take missiles out of the countries that are closest to them. It's not going to happen. But I just hope they game plan. What happens if it does? Serious sanctions, serious sanctions, serious sanctions is all I hear. And it has not been a deterrent in the past. Here's Dan Hoffman, who was a CIA bureau chief in Moscow. Cut 26. Well, it's a a very dangerous situation on the ground. You know, Russia made extremely unrealistic demands uh, that they have a veto over Ukraine's NATO membership, which NATO would never allow. Uh, They've massed 100,000 troops. They've got a loaded gun aimed at Ukraine right now. They've got lots of options, including a blockade in the Black Sea, uh, further invasion in eastern Ukraine, and potentially even attacks all the way to Kiev. Uh, This is a very serious situation. Yeah, and it obviously it is. And what if they we we're in the middle of this show or tomorrow, uh, we hear about an invasion? What are we going to do right now? We should be flooding the zone with arms. I was watching the BBC this morning. The UK has committed to giving them arms. Let them fight. And I'm not sure that Russia used chemical weapons. I know they tried to poison a few guys. They're not flooding the zones with chemical weapons. They have enough armament not to do that. Word is, uh, for people who know the armament that the Russians have, they're waiting for the ground to freeze. So when we come back, your thoughts. I gave you all three, 1-866-408-7669. I'll be able to bounce all that with gubernatorial candidate Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. But next is your turn. Uh, And keep in mind, too, still available, the president and the freedom fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the battle to save America's soul. Don't move. Getting past all the rhetoric, it's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs, okay? You you bring it up because you really what? care, and I think what that's do you mean nice that you cares? care. The rest of us don't care. I'm just well, telling you a very hard... I'm telling you a very hard, ugly truth, okay? Of all the things that I care about, yes, it is below my line. I, I care about the fact that our economy could turn on a dime if China invades Taiwan. I care about that. I care about climate change. 
you know, I care about a bunch of, I care about America's crippling and, you know, decrepit in healthcare infrastructure. But if you're asking me, that, do I care about a segment of a class of people in another country? Not until we can take care of ourselves will I prioritize them over us. All right, number one, uh, you know, you want everybody taken care of. Uh, work on your homeless situation. Uh, you want everyone taken care of. We're still the richest country in the world. Uh, that is Shamed Palapia. Uh, he is on the All In podcast. Uh, he's a Golden State Warrior co-owner and obviously a billionaire. It's the second most valuable franchise in the whole league. So I think outside the Lakers. And he makes that statement. What he's also saying about the Uyghurs, that's who he's referring to in China, is that they're Muslims. And you remember, it's how, how politically correct is that, incorrect is that, to say he doesn't care about, I don't know, two million Muslims who are having their uh, – it's basically like the Holocaust. They're having their organs harvested. They're doing slave labor. They're supplying the manufacturing for a lot of the companies, American companies that are profiting off that. There's a movement to stop that. And when asked about that, he shows no humanity at all, at all. And the thing is, I wanted to talk uh, about the Beijing games, but this is part of the Beijing games. These rich people, these huge companies could not care less when it comes to human rights, when it comes to China. I don't get it. You saw all the freedom of speech being and all these uh, these students being jailed over in Hong Kong. All right. Who we do business with. We're still investing with. You see the threat that Taiwan is under. You see Tibet is basically under house arrest. And you see how they rounded up these Muslims in re-education camps. And the IOC gave them the Olympics. Um, um, they gave them the Olympics before. No one said anything. But China's gotten much more belligerent since. And the question is, if you're Allianz, a German financial firm, if you are Coca-Cola, if you are Airbnb, if you're any Procter & Gamble um, product, why would you want to be part of this Olympics and be linked to this? Unless you're going to whitewash it and not cover the real story. And that is really the issue. Enos Cantor Freedom, good friend of our show, on the Celtics, fighting for freedom all around, especially for the Uyghurs, said this on that revelation, Cut 31. You know, the funny thing is this guy, uh, this guy owns a company called, actually I have it right here, called Social Capital, where they pretend to care about social values, and this is a virtue signal, and I have all these uh, recordings here with me. He pretends to care about the others, but the only thing he cares about is money and pr promoting the CCP propaganda. And it makes me sick how he's using social justice to make money for his company. And I want to ask him one question. You know, one question, if your mother, if your daughter, if your sister was in those concentration camps and getting torture and gang rape every day, would you still think about money? Would you still, would you still remain silent? So I want him to answer that question. Yeah, I would love that, too. He uh, came out with this statement the next day. He said, in re-listening to the podcast, I recognize I came across as lacking empathy. I acknowledge that entirely as a refugee, my family fled a country with its own human rights issues. So that is something that's very much a part of my lived experience. To be clear, my belief is that human rights matter, whether in China, the United States, or elsewhere. Meanwhile, they always got to link us with China. Are you kidding me? Us on our worst day is better than them on their, on their very, 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 very best day. Back with Alan West. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. 
radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. As I've said before, there are 100 members of the United States Senate, and I'm not going to absolve, nor should any of us, absolve any member of the United States Senate from taking on a responsibility to follow through on the oath that they all took to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Right. You have to defend the Constitution of the United States by supporting the ridiculous federalizing of elections or else you're a racist and you don't support the country. Right. That is Vice President Kamala Harris. Terrible on her feet. Not good reading the prompter and certainly not good at interviews. Let's bring in Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, a Texas gubernatorial candidate, and he used to be a Florida congressman. Colonel, welcome back. It's good to be with you, Brian. How are you today? So on MLK Day, I knew it. They were just going to tap into it. If you don't vote yeah. for this, you're you're ruining MLK's legacy. Instead of looking at it as voter integrity, uh, vote integrity, they're looking at it as election uh, uh, denial. They're we're denying no. uh, the American people are denying the rights of minorities. Well, I can tell you, I don't know anybody here in the state of Texas, black or Hispanic, that are complaining about the fact that they didn't get the vote in any election. That's not an issue. But I can tell you that one of the main reasons why Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have not been down here uh, to see what's going on in our border and try to fix our border is because it's going according to plan. It's as purposeful, it's intentional. And when you read H.R. 1, which is what they're trying to get passed through, it already passed the House. It says that there's no picture ID to vote in the United States of America, that there's no voter registration role review, that the uh, unsolicited mail-in ballots are going to be the standard by which we do uh, elections in America, online voter registration, same-day uh, voter registration, same-day voting, and it gives illegals the ability to vote. And on top of that, they want to have the taxpayers uh, paying for campaigns. So, no, this is not anything about voting rights. This is about a one-party system. This is about allowing illegals to be able to vote in our elections, which is exactly what Bill de Blasio just did up in New York City, and Eric Adams says that he supports. So the, the, the deception is, is well understood by everyone out there, and they're just frustrated because they know they're going to have political Armageddon in November 2022, and they're trying to do everything they possibly can to uh, evade that. Yeah, a couple of things. There is no excuse balloting. You could go without an excuse. You could ask for a ballot. You just got to get it in a little bit quicker in, in Georgia. Uh, then when it comes to uh, getting uh, uh, voting by mail, you got to put your Social Security, last four-digit Social Security number or your license number. And most Americans are for uh, voter ID, which so ironic, Colonel, mm-hmm. is that to get in the building to vote, you're going to have to have proof that you're vaccinated with your ID, Right. But at the same time, no ID yeah. to vote. Just uh, tell me, uh, tell me what your name is, and go go behind the curtain. Well, see, that's going to be the the next step. Is that uh, they're going to try to push all across the United States of America, and we have to be concerned even out here in Texas when you have places like Dallas. Houston, Harris County, uh, San Antonio, Bear County, and Austin, Travis County, and some of those precincts of the, where they have control of election judges, they're going to say you have to have proof of a vaccine card to come in and vote. And uh, that's why they keep stirring this thing up about a virus that has a 99.5% recovery rate. Yeah, and we'll see how this goes. Today, I think that when they have a vote to blow up the filibuster and ultimately on this voting reform, you're going to force a lot of guys and women in tough reelection fights like Maggie Hassan, uh, like uh, Mark mm-hmm. Kelly, to go on the record. Either say, I'm for blowing up the filibuster and give up your moderate status, 
or not and, you know, alienate yourself with Democrats. So what is Schumer thinking? Well, they're not thinking. They're thinking about their power and control grab. And just think, it was not too long ago during the Trump administration that all these exact same people are saying we have to get rid of the filibuster. They said that we had to have the, filib- have the filibuster. This is totalitarianism in its purest sense. The, the Democrats are now in control of the House, the Senate, and the White House, and they want to rule. They don't want to govern. They want to rule, and they want to get rid of that thing called the Think about uh, Barack Obama when he was supposedly eulogizing uh, John Lewis and Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. He didn't eulogize him. He was up there ranting about the filibuster. And so this has been something that they have always wanted to do because it's about power and control for them. So one year in, uh, it looks like Joe Biden's in a free fall. In terms of that generic poll, Republicans are Democrats. Republicans have picked up 15 points. They were down five. They picked up nine. So they are now uh, firmly in a good stead with the American people. Uh, How do you keep it? You keep it right now by saying what your plan is going to be. Uh, Much the same as Newt Gingrich had the contract with America. We need to have that contract with America. All Republicans need to be on the same sheet of music. If you want to call it the America First policies like we saw with President Trump, just a platform that we can all get on together and talk about how we're going to get America back on track. We're going to respect people's individual uh, medical freedom, education freedom, economic freedom. We're going to restore our sense of safety and security. We're not going to allow these uh, leftist groups to be out there and burning and destroying buildings and things of this nature. We're going to talk about what brings us together, not what divides us. Paul Begala weighed in on what he thinks wrong with the Democratic Party. You're not going to believe his conclusion. Cut 17. He got infrastructure passed, and that's a good thing, because success can, can breed success. He is putting the full force of the presidency behind it. I think the problem for the Democrats right now is, is not that they have bad leaders. They have bad followers. So he's, they don't have good voters. Do you believe this? <laughs> Well, again, when you would think that after what happened, the debacle in Virginia and an almost meltdown in New Jersey, that they would go back to the drawing board and say, what, what do we need to do? Let's, let's look at ourselves. But instead, they keep blaming everybody else. It's kind of like the Hillary Clinton uh, tour that she keeps going on, of blaming everything else except for the fact that she was a poor candidate. So uh, this is going to just continue to play against them. It, if you continue to go down the path of demonizing, and denigrating and disparaging people as racist and white supremacists because they don't want to agree with your ideological agenda as they're watching food commodity prices go up, gas prices go up, you're, you're, that's not how you bring people to your side. It isn't. Uh, over the weekend, we saw a hostage situation with a synagogue and a mm-hmm. terrorist who wanted to get another terrorist out of jail. I don't believe that terrorist belongs in Fort Worth. That terrorist belongs at Gitmo, and because that terrorist— uh, that female al-Qaeda, is in Fort Worth. It's always going to make Texas a place for other terrorists to come to try to do a hostage swap. Don't you agree? I do agree, but the sad thing is if you call what Barack Obama did, he just unilaterally started to empty out uh, Guantanamo Bay. So now those uh, Taliban senior leaders that were once in Guantanamo Bay, they're back as senior leaders of the Taliban in Afghanistan. So until we have someone that we believe will keep terrorists locked away, uh, I don't know what other recourse we have. But what happened here in Texas was an Islamic jihadist attack. And the fact that you had the uh, 
FBI bureau chief saying that it had nothing to do with uh, the Jewish synagogue or nothing to do with the Jewish people. This goes back quite some time. If you do your research, you will see that CARE, the Council for American Islamic Relations, which is a Muslim Brotherhood Hamas front group, they had a rally here in North Texas back in September about releasing that lady al-Qaeda out of prison. So this has been building up for quite some while, some time. And you just got to ask, how does a Pakistani with terrorist ties, uh, a British national, get into the United States of America? Who harbors him? How did he get a visa? How did he get a weapon, Brian? So we have got, uh, you know, a lot of onions to peel back, layers of the onion, to get to the root cause here. All right. So how's the run for governor going? It is going very well. As a matter of fact, I'm on the road heading down to Austin, Texas at Belton, and then I'll overnight over College Station and be there tomorrow. And uh, we have some good uh, polling numbers, but the only poll that matters to me is the one on March the 1st when all of the uh, poll locations are, are done and there's all zeros on the scoreboard. So you can go to west the number 4 texascom west4texas.com if you want to support us in this run to be the next governor of Texas. So uh, real quick, I know you served in Afghanistan as a contractor in almost three decades in the military. There's a declassified inspector general report that said that there was warning that Afghanistan would collapse because our Air Force could not function without us and without our contractors. And they kept this thing top secret for almost a year, for five months since we left, but it's been on the books. So the inspector general said this, told the AP on Monday— that it's rare for these reports to be classified. But when they are, a declassified version is issued by the Pentagon under, in under two months. The office said it did not know why it took the Defense Department more than a year before declassifying this particular report and why, did it, why it did so. So the collapse, the worst military disaster in my lifetime, maybe ever, and they knew about it ahead of time to a degree, and locking it up for this period of time almost reinforces that. Well, according to Paul Begala, it's not because of the poor leadership that we have. It's because of poor followership. Again, you're seeing this happen because they know that their foreign policy is going to collapse. They knew about what would occur in Afghanistan. They, we know about the, the phone call that Joe Biden made to the president, Ghani, of Afghanistan, trying to get him to falsify information. But even so, ask yourself about what's going on right here in the United States of America. Where is the ICE report uh, from last year? They don't want to release that. Why? Because we know that Joe Biden told ICE not to deport individuals, and that report will be very damning for the Biden administration with the debacle that we see on our border. No excuse for it. Uh, Westfortexas.com? West, the number four, Texas.com. All right. Lieutenant Colonel, best of luck. Thank you so much, Brian. Take care. You got it. one 408 7669 we come back, your chance to, uh, to weigh in on everything we just talked about as well as crime in America, why the administration feels attacking cops when crime is raging is beyond me. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. We really don't want to get into the whack-a-mole approach towards every new variant where it comes up and you all of a sudden have to make a new, uh, a new uh, a booster against a particular variant it gets up because you'll be chasing it forever. And that is Anthony Fauci talking about the booster shot 
that the Pfizer group have come up with is will be ready by March for Omicron. Omicron is dropping in some of the northeast states where it first started, in Washington, D.C., for example, and New York and New Jersey, and that's great news, uh, deaths, hospitalizations, as well as cases. You know what also is better news, as the Wall Street Journal writes about today? What's better news is that this Omicron is so prevalent, so easily spread, it also gives you great antibodies. So maybe we are getting some natural immunity along with the vaccination, uh, which is an option and booster for others. So maybe because the symptoms are, for the most part, mild and it's so easy to spread, the American people are going to be beneficiaries of herd immunity. Has anyone thought about that? No one ever wants to think about that because people are head spinning because we're getting such contradictory uh, information all the time from the CDC who apologized yesterday and said, you know, I I will be more careful when it comes to giving contradictory uh, information. But I was Anthony Fauci at Davos, who are the people he's most comfortable with. He went on. uh, He went on to also talk about not only chasing variants, but also about disturbing degree of pushback against the public health measures. Well, listen. If he considers vaccination pushback, for the most part, the most vulnerable group are about 85 percent vaccinated. That's pushback. Cut 36. You know, what I mentioned earlier, and it's very disturbing, I believe, to all of us as public health officials and scientists, such a degree of pushback against regular, normal, easy to understand public health measures, reluctance to wear masks, reluctance to promote vaccination. Reluctance to do kinds of public health measures that really we know if we all pull together as a society, we would be much, much better off. Right. So let's look at let's examine what he just said. Uh, when it comes to the vaccine, they said you take the vaccine, you don't need the mask. Now, next, you know, we have double boost, double vax boosted people uh, getting the Omicron and getting this uh, virus again, number one. Okay, so that's not true. Then they said, don't wear a mask. Then they said, wear a mask. You know what they said two weeks ago? The Western, the mask you're uh, wearing, Dr. Gottlieb and others, really not too good. But it's the public who just don't want to go along. It's the public's fault. Incredible. So uh, just on this herd immunity, this uh, Alicia uh, Finley writes this story. A study last month from South Africa found that people who were infected with the Omicron produced antibodies that were more than four times better at neutralizing the Delta variant. How great is this? Booster vaccines also improve the immune response by giving B cells more time to mature. One reason antibodies after three Pfizer shots are capable in lab experiments of neutralizing Omicron while others are not. But boosters train the immune system against the same target. Omicron's myriad mutations create a bigger challenge for B and T cells and thereby strengthen the immune response. To use an analogy, if you train at doing push-ups, you'll get you stronger, but as strong as, uh, but not as strong as if you also did pull-ups. So got it? Get the vaccine. If you get the Omicron, you're ready to go. Why can't people ever be talking about anything positive ever in our lives? Meanwhile, what Pfizer said is this. We'll soon be able to resume a normal lifestyle. This is according to their CEO. We're well positioned to get there in the spring thanks to all the tools at our disposal and very effective vaccines. The tools at our disposal are the therapeutics. The therapeutics that are out there have not been pre-ordered. Therefore, it's taking a little bit more time. I'll add this. I'm very intimately involved with uh, colleges. A lot of the people, kids I coached, a lot of uh, uh, my kids, uh, two of which 
are in college right now, the restrictions, there just is no give. You just get an email. This is the new rule. If you're not going to do it, you can't come back to school. But you can still pay tuition. At Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, students and staff are now going to be required to wear either an N95 or KN95 mask or a combination of the cloth mask with a surgical mask on returning to school. In addition, this is at Johns Hopkins where Dr. McCary is. And uh, by the way, and Michael Bloomberg has a famous business school there. Students on campus will be tested twice a week. So on top of all this crap, the vaccination demands, the boosters test twice a week with a double mask. Several other universities have also announced plans to shift to online classes at the beginning of this year. What are you going to do if you finally get into Duke and they say you're online, you're backing out? American University, another great university right outside Washington. Are you going to say, I resign? No, you're going to continue to pay sixty to $70,000. Georgetown University, I think, is like eighty. Stanford's about that, too, as is Northeastern and Belmont, uh, where the Florida Georgia Line guys met, and most University of California systems. So there you go. You find out that you're online. I think Penn State also is online. I cannot believe we have to pay for this. You have to pay for all this stuff to actually learn online. Joni McGarry is going to bat as an Ivy League parent. For their for the kids, and he was doing it last night uh, with Laura Ingram, who, like Joni, has a kid uh, at Dartmouth. That's where Laura went to school. Cut thirty-seven. Well, my concern, and the concern of thousands of other parents, um, I'm learning across the country, is that the justification for these booster mandates is um, twofold. They has to keep the students safe, and we have to keep the community safe. And when you unpack that. Um, this is an already vaccinated population, so they're asking these students to get boosted at Dartmouth and 325 colleges across the country. The protecting the student part of it, when you look at this population, this is a very low-risk population, zero to near-zero death and severe illness from COVID infection, as per the CDC data. Um, so these shots are not medically necessary in this population. And that's what they're saying. The kids get this notice, they do it, the parents speak up, they can just say, hey, you don't want to go to Dartmouth, you don't have to go. Everyone knows the esteem, ex- extreme benefit of going to one of these Ivy League schools, and the, you have to basically be a valedictorian, you still can get rejected from these schools. Hey, uh, make sure you listen to this radio show all the time, and of course, Fox & Friends. Also go to BrianKillMe.com. you can order any of my books. It's all about um, putting America first and winning the war against American history. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York City. Heard around the country, heard around the world, which was was the safest city. Now it's anything but. Actually, since we had a new mayor, the crime rate's actually going up. Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick is standing by. He spent some time in over in Ukraine. Talked about the danger there and his big worry this coming year. We're here, 2022, and the arms are still there, and the armaments are still there. A bipartisan group of senators just left. So what does that mean? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. At this hour, I just want to be clear, we don't know whether or not Vladimir Putin will invade Ukraine, but he's putting in place all the pieces to do so. Uh, Yeah, that's another channel, NBC, all eyes on China and Russia as we see a push to get sponsors to bow out of the Beijing Winter Games over the disaster human rights record that they have as one NBA owner makes his his opinion clear. 
Number two. President Joe Biden has had a very tough week with setbacks uh, for his agenda. One year in, Mr. Biden has the second lowest approval rating ever measured in the White House and has never been less popular nationally. The country is frustrated. A few days away from his one-year anniversary of inauguration, and it is black. It is very dark for him right now. Can you believe this? Uh, one year into his four-year reign, President Biden stands damaged, angry, and his party is paying the price. As Republicans' popularity surges, it has not stopped Democratic leadership from pushing on voting a bill, which is doomed, but getting rid of the filibuster, which is through. Of course, their claim is... If you vote against it, you're a racist. Number one. If you can't keep criminals off the street, you're not going to have safe streets. This isn't really hard. This is simple stuff. They already have an agenda. Their agenda is very simple. It's to ignore the law in order to support their own interests. And it starts with these liberal DAs who do not want to prosecute people that the police actually arrest. Yeah, crime is crushing American cities. Random acts of murder are targeting uh, and targeting of police has shaken most of this nation, except the woke DAs and their criminal clients. What does President Biden do? Promise executive action on police reform. Joining me now, Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania. He's on the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, Foreign Affairs, and Transportation and Infrastructure Committees. Congressman, and you know, with you have an FBI background, right? Yes, sir. Good morning, Brian. Absolutely. First off, what is your take on the President of the United States about to offer some executive action on law enforcement? Well, uh, too little, too late, Brian. I mean, you, uh, you're in New York City. You see the atrocities going on there every day. Um, you know, this administration has failed in so many respects, uh, Ukraine, which we're going to get to uh, in a minute. But uh, the law and order, the border, Nord Stream 2, I mean, literally every decision this administration makes is, is just a complete catastrophe. Uh, and 2022 in the midterms cannot come soon enough. we got to get a check on this administration. Right. I just think to, to fund the police and crack down on police is not going to resonate. There's a reason why uh, reform failed in Congress, so he's going to do it on its own instead of cracking down on criminals. Uh, for the most part, what's going on? Because we can't get cops. Seventy-three have been killed and targeted, and we watch crime raise in every major city. I'm talking about Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, of course, you care about. Uh, you have New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Uh, these are just some of the places, and Minneapolis, of course, some of the places that saw raging crime rates. Yeah, well, you know, about a decade ago, we heard of something called the Ferguson effect, when law enforcement feel that uh, nobody has their back. Uh, they're worried about their families, going home to their families. They're worried about putting their financial uh, status at risk uh, with the whole qualified immunity situation. Uh, police are just very, very hesitant to, to do their jobs when they feel that the government uh, officials don't have their backs, and we're seeing that right now. Yeah, we are. Uh, so we'll see if uh, we get some uh, clarity on that and maybe some aggression on that. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where we go. Uh, fast forward over to the Ukraine. The bipartisan group of senators went there yesterday to express their support for the Ukrainians. Are we showing it or just saying it? Uh, this administration is sending all the wrong signals, Brian. It, it breaks my heart. Uh, I served in Ukraine as an FBI agent. It was my last international assignment before coming to Congress. Um, and we all saw when we had this catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, the two places everybody was looking, uh, including everybody on the House Intelligence Committee, was Taiwan and Ukraine. The question was, which one, who was going to move first, China or, or Russia? And we're now seeing the answer to that. Uh, Russia, keep in mind, Russia moved on Crimea right after the Sochi Olympics. Uh, the Beijing Olympics are coming up February 4th to the 20th, uh, and the timing once again is coinciding with that. They're, they're, um, 
you know, prepping false flag operations. They're starting to withdraw a lot of their uh, staff from not only the embassy uh, in Kiev, but the consulates all across the country. Um, it's a very dangerous situation. Um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt used to say for foreign policy, speak softly and carry a big stick. This administration is doing the opposite. Uh, they immediately and publicly took uh, sending U.S. troops off the table. They're now getting wobbly need on removing uh, Russia from the SWIFT system. Uh, and now Germany just today is uh, requesting that any sanctions imposed on Russia don't impact their oil and gas relationship with Russia. So constant signs of weakness being sent to a very, uh, very much a bully in Vladimir Putin. And of course, Germany sent their foreign minister over to meet in Moscow with his counterpart over in that country. NATO, I guess, had a strong line and U.S. didn't budge. They want us to sign off and say they're never going to join NATO. We're not going to do that. Why would we do that? And why now? The question is, do you believe the Russians would have public sentiment behind them to roll in? Do you think the public has been uh, has been rallied to this cause? Well, that's that remains to be seen. I mean, with Crimea, he had tremendous support to invade Crimea because his pitch was that they're largely ethnic Russians down there. Uh, similar false flag operations that he used back in 2014. Uh, he claimed that uh, Ukraine was the provoker there. Uh, and he's using the same – he's engaging the same propaganda now with social media uh, and uh, embedding saboteurs in that Donbass region in the east. Uh, so it has all the makings for uh, 2014 all over again. So about that meeting yesterday, have you heard any reports that emerged out of it? I have not. Uh, we have our intel committee meeting tonight at 5.15, and we expect to get an update then. Here's Rebecca Heinrichs. Uh, she's a Hudson Institute senior fellow on what she heard. Cut 28. Their solidarity that they want to express would have been a lot more believable had they actually brought lethal aid um, or had he not voted against the Nord Stream 2 sanctions that Senator Cruz just tried to re-implement. These are the big power levers that Congress can be pushing and pulling this administration, the Biden administration, to, to do to weaken Russia and to demonstrate solidarity. But you keep hearing Democrats from the Biden administration to Senate Democrats saying that there's this new transatlantic solidarity and that's what's going to win the day. I mean, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's a sham. Uh, the Ukraine defense minister has accused the Germans of being the ones that have stopped lethal aid from coming through NATO channels. And then, of course, the United States is not getting that lethal aid that's necessary there. So we have not given any lethal aid. We pledged to give some. The U.K. has pledged to give some. Uh, what is the situation? Because I know you were just there. Yeah, it's just it's consistent signals of weakness, Brian, by this administration when it comes to China, when it comes to Russia, when it comes to all the threats, Iran. It, they they seize on this. It's like the the schoolyard bullying grade school. You you cower to them, they keep coming back. You punch them in the nose, and they go away. Uh, this administration has not learned that lesson. Uh, when you project weakness, you, you, you generate more threats. And um, not giving Ukraine uh, the, uh, the heavy equipment that they need, automatically taking uh, U.S. military presence off the table, regardless of whether or not that's part of the strategy. You don't say it. You don't telegraph that. And now getting weak need on SWIFT, Russia has no reason not to move right now. So what would getting them off the SWIFT uh, banking system do? It would crumble their economy. Uh, the SWIFT system is basically uh, the, inter the, the, the key international financing system. Uh, every financial institution uh, ascribed a unique code uh, that allowed them to engage in international financing and banking transactions. You cut Russia off the international banking system, it would crumble their economy. The, the Russian people would turn against Putin. Uh, it's a very strong, very powerful, the most powerful economic tool we have at our disposal. Um, Taking that off the table now, and I know that report uh, by Reuters yesterday has been disputed by the NSC, but um, 
it sounds like Afghanistan, where Reuters report something, the administration will push back, and it would turn out that Reuters was accurate. So uh, that remains to be seen here. How do you view Belarus's leader asking for Russian help, the Kazakhstan leader asking for Russian help, and then their presence in the Ukraine? Does it show that they do not, that the people there don't want the Russians around, only their autocratic leaders do? How do you read this? Yeah, it, absolutely. And I can tell you that's the case in Ukraine as well. The Ukrainian people want nothing to do. Uh, this was the, the, the impetus for the Euromaidan revolution um, uh, several years ago. It was the people that rose up against, against Viktor Yanukovych, who had promised uh, when he ran uh, that, that uh, Ukraine would move closer to the West, join the EU. And he went back on his word, and it led to the bloodiest revolution in Ukraine's history. Um, and I think we're seeing that in Belarus. We're seeing that in a lot of these surrounding countries where it's the, it's the dictatorships and the administrations that are selling out to the Russians uh, going against the will of the people. But is this costly to them? I mean, is it expensive to get into Syria, expensive to go into Kazakhstan, expensive to put 100,000 troops on the, your neighbor's border, expensive to go into Belarus, and they're living really off oil prices? They are, and that's why when, when energy prices are, are in the direction they are, that Russia has the ability, the financial ability to do this. Um, it's one of the reasons why you know their Nord Stream 2 pipeline and their agreement, uh, ongoing agreement, evolving agreement with Germany is so dangerous because they now have a pipeline, which, by the way, Joe Biden opened up, shuts down our Keystone pipeline, opens up Nord Stream 2, which is a pipeline of corruption from Russia to Germany and now Western Europe. Uh, that's why it's so dangerous. Wow. Uh, Congressman, see your thoughts about the chances of an invasion this month. Uh, better than 50-50. And I wish that wasn't true, Brian, and we're going to get more reports uh, later. Uh, we have been getting briefed on this, by the way, for going on six months now. We have been begging this administration to take it serious. They have not taken it serious. They've been saying that it's, you know, it's, you know, f- you know false flag information on the border by Russia just trying to posture to, to engage right. in or, or, or gain additional leverage. Uh, that's not the case, unfortunately. I want you to weigh in on this analysis from NBC's national security analyst, Cut 25. We know he wants to fracture NATO. He know, we know he wants to limit NATO's expansion to the east to close the door on the open-door policy of NATO that has animated everything we've been working on towards Europe since the fall of the Berlin Wall. We don't know is whether he's using to, willing to use military force to achieve those objectives. We know he's willing to use asymmetric force. We know he's willing to use cyber attacks against Ukraine. In fact, we saw some cyber attacks against some Ukrainian ministries last week. He's launched cyber attacks against the Ukrainian power grid in 2016, 2020, and at other times. We know he's willing to send little green men to provoke something at the border. We know he's willing to concoct sabotage to try to force a pretext across his belly so he could go over the line and uh, and go over the border and invade. And in fact, this thinning out of the embassy personnel looks to me like a concoction. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at my uh, app that shows Russian statements from the, the, the post uh, telegram, uh, which is the, the mm-hmm. public message board. And the Russian foreign ministry there is saying, you know, we were under threat in Ukraine. That's why we're leaving. That sounds like propaganda. That sounds like a pretext to concoct a reason to go and invade and, quote-unquote, protect your personnel. And your thoughts on that? Yeah, the million-dollar question, you know, nobody's inside Vladimir Putin's head or anyone in his inner circle. Uh, the million-dollar question is, you know, obviously propaganda, cyber attacks, they've always been on the table. They use them with regularity. Is he willing to go the next step and use military force? It would come at a heavy cost. 
to him and to the Russian troops. The Ukrainians are not going to lay down. Uh, they showed tremendous courage in the Maidan Revolution. Uh, Russia will be met with uh, you know similar you know force and terrible optics around the world. So um, you know nobody knows exactly what Vladimir Putin's going to do, but the, the risk is very high. All the signals uh, that we're getting right now, uh, both from the intel standpoint um, and financial, indicate that he's preparing to move. And uh, the Budapest Agreement said if, to the Ukrainians, if you give up your nukes, we will watch your back, we'll provide your security, and we're obviously not willing to do that, it seems. Somebody else who has nuclear weapons is taking note. Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. All right. Uh, hopefully a better outcome. one 408 I'll come back and take your calls at the bottom of the hour. Uh, actually, we have two blocks to take your calls and find out if there's more to know. And then we're going to do a simulcast on FBN. Busy hour. So glad you're here. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. An extremist United States Supreme Court a few years ago gutted the Voting Rights Act, but that all by itself just opened the door to restricting voting. Donald Trump, uh, when he lost the election, he took millions of people down the dark hole of the big lie. And now we've got Republican state legislatures all around this country who are just trying to outdo each other to keep people of color from voting, to keep African-Americans from voting, to keep Latinos from voting, to keep people who live on tribal lands from voting, to keep college students from voting. Anyone that they can identify that they think is likely to vote Democratic, they're doing everything they can to put restrictions in place so they won't be able to vote. So, uh, Allison, you said that he was uh, kept her on for a half hour? Yeah, so Elizabeth Warren was on with Colbert. And, no, she was on three full segments. Three full segments. And it's now, you know, late night. It's not, oh, guess who the celebrity is. It's we have Senator Elizabeth Warren for three full segments. Yeah, I mean, for, by the way, voice. what she said is not based in anything to do with fact. And if she ever wanted to in, engage in a debate like that, that might have been interesting. But basically gets a layup to talk to, 2.1 2. million people. I don't know who picks them up on YouTube. But it's not the biggest audience. It's not Johnny Carson. The fact is, no one even talks about what she said. She went on, though. Cut 14. If you can't get rid of the filibuster, what about we just get rid of the Senate? And I'm 100% serious here. It is the most anti-democratic institution next to the judiciary because the judiciary is only the way it is because the Senate is the way it is. No one would drop a single tear. I don't understand what possible positive purpose the United States Senate provides right now. Wow. <laughs> Look. I hear you. <laughs> here's, here's what we provide, in theory. Is that we are supposed to be the deliberative body. That was, the, that was what we envisioned. But so long as we are tangled in the filibuster, then we don't get to do what the founders envisioned that we would, and that is debate the big issues of the day and then vote on them when the debate is over <clears throat> and then vote on them. Instead, where we are now is somebody just sends in. I'm filibustering that. 
So Elizabeth Warren, does she know that we taped this? Do we know that she's likely to lose the Senate, if not next in 2022, 2024? And that she, she thinks it's the only way to do it, to keep democracy, is to go by a simple majority rule? Well, that's fine. She never felt that when they used the filibuster 300 times on the four years of Trump. And she probably won't feel that way again unless she has uh, every branch of government again. But with the uh, Stephen Colbert wants the filibuster blown up. And and can I just say that's fine because he's a Democrat, a liberal Democrat. But can we just bring facts into this and reality? The people that don't want to bring blow it up are Democrats. They don't even have the 50 votes that Kamala Harris can actually gavel in and be the 51st. So it's all hypothetical. You could make the Republicans the bad guys. But it's Kirsten Sinema, who has a brain in her head, and Joe Manchin, who's basically saving the republic. When we come back, I'll be able to take some of your calls and then do Barney and Company and do a simulcast there. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. When we come back, we do talk about crime in America and how random it is and how alarmed people are. Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Day one, January 1, when I took the train, I saw the homelessness, the yelling, the screaming early in the morning. Uh, crimes right outside of uh, the platform. Uh, we know we have a job to do, and we're going to do both. We're going to drive down crime, and we're going to make sure New Yorkers feel safe in our subway system. And they don't feel that way now. I don't feel that way when I take the train every day or when I'm moving throughout our transportation system. That is our battle, and that is what I'm going to do as the mayor of the city of New York. So that's a little bit different from his original comments after a a woman was thrown on a train track at 940 in the morning simply because she was waiting for a train right on Times Square, a very safe area, with some lunatic homeless guy. Literally, he's a nut. His own family, covered in the New York Post today, said, we knew he was crazy. We tried to get him institutionalized. There's something wrong with him. We didn't know what it was. But over the last few years, he's committed these crimes. And we've been trying to get him uh, not jailed, but some help, and he couldn't get it. So what he does is he walks down to the trains to the subway station. Well, see, eyes one woman. She sees him, says he looks strange. So she backs up. Another woman he walks up to and just throws her on the train. Perfect timing. Then he hops on that train, that subway, goes to a police station and turns himself in and says what he and says exactly what he did. At which time he gets hauled out to prison. As he's going out to the car, people are asking him why he did it. You know what he's saying? I am God. When they talked about this 24-year-old UCLA student that was stabbed to death working in a furniture store while working on her master's, she was trying to earn some extra money, this guy was a homeless guy. And they seemed to have recognized him from walking into a chiropractic place or an orthopedic place a few minutes before he actually walked into the furniture store and decided to kill this 24-year-old. This is the randomness of the crime. 55th and Broadway, right here in Manhattan. You find someone gets carjacked right in the middle of the day. How? Because we see all these surveillance cameras and we're able to witness this crime and the impervious nature to it where these assailants feel, even if I get arrested, I'll be out really soon. Here is Congressman Byron Donalds on with Sean last night. Cut to. 
If you can't keep criminals off the street, you're not going to have safe streets. This isn't really hard. This is simple stuff. They have, or have an agenda. Their agenda is very simple. It's to ignore the law in order to support their own interests. But these cities are left safe. Kids can't go to school. People can't go to work without having to look over their shoulder. You can't have a thriving economy. You can't have a thriving society if you're not keeping people safe. The Democrats are wrong on this. They've been wrong on this. The polling has shown they're wrong on this. And it has to stop. And it starts with these liberal DAs who do not want to prosecute people that the police actually arrest. Yeah, and this is a guy of African-American congressman who understands that if somebody gets arrested, it's not because they're black or white. It's because they committed a crime or suspected of doing just that. They do not think that somebody was born a criminal. Uh, so, Chris Bedford, we played for you already. But just to give you an idea of what other people think about what's happening, it is, well, these criminals, they need some help. Right now, there isn't enough institutional offices uh, institutional facilities for all of them. Mara Gay of MSNBC, she's on the New York uh, Times editorial board. On um, What's going on with the number of homeless and when they attack? Cut five. The solutions are actually not easy fixes. I think Mayor Adams and, and Governor Hochul know that. The biggest thing that needs to happen is not just having more police officers in the subways, which I know some on the left object to, but I think overwhelmingly is something that uh, New Yorkers do want to see in their subways especially when you have fewer commuters, right? Fewer eyes in the subway to begin with during the pandemic. Right. Uh, but I think, uh, the, I think the mayor gets that. I think the police chief gets that. The DA doesn't get that because they're not empowered to do anything because he told the prosecutors not to do anything. Here's more from her. Cut six. This man appeared to be suffering some, some mental health challenges. And, um, of course, most people who suffer from mental health challenges never become violent. But there is an issue in New York City, and I'm sure elsewhere, in which we need better and more services to serve this population who, of New Yorkers who are mentally uh, ill and are not living in shelter or are refusing to come into shelter or need more services. And so that's something that Mayor Adams is really going to have to work closely um, alongside uh, Governor Hochul to accomplish because the city needs state services in order to really set up that mental health infrastructure. Yeah, build them and staff them. That would certainly help. Also, with your vaccine mandate, you got a lot of people on the psychiatric side, a lot of hospital workers. You lost thousands of them because they didn't want to get vaccinated, despite the fact that most of them had natural immunity uh, to begin with. Another big issue is voting, and that's going to be happening this week. Vote, get rid of the filibuster and vote for election integrity from the Republican perspective. So right now on using MLK Day as the backdrop, they try to say that Republicans are trying to restrict them from voting like Democrats have done in the 60s uh, through Reconstruction. Let's just say that. Cut seven, Joe Biden. And on this federal holiday that honors him, it's not just enough to praise him. We must commit to his unfinished work to deliver jobs and justice to protect the sacred right to vote, the right from which all other rights flow. Right. That's what we need. The sacred right to vote, like early balloting, 17 days of early voting. The fact is they're saying that you st- you actually die of thirst while on the line. When poll workers can, can serve you a, a bottle of water, if you, I guess everybody forgets, or if you are a concerned citizen and you want to drop off from water or pizza, you could do it to a poll worker and they would hand it out. Cut eight. The attack on our democracy is real, from the January 6th insurrection to the onslaught of Republicans' anti-voting laws in a number of states. 
It's no longer just about who gets to vote. It's about who gets to count the vote and whether your vote counts at all. It's about two insidious things, voter suppression and election subversion. In his time, through his courage, his conviction, and his commitment, Dr. King held a mirror up to America and forced us to answer the question, where do we stand? Whose side are we on? Yeah, great question. Where do we stand? Early voting, 17 days. Sunday voting, already in play in Georgia. Same thing over in Texas. I think 60-plus states have increased the access. But what they tried to do is rein in the pandemic voting. I've never seen anything like it. The exaggeration that's taking place is absolutely insane. Uh, in fact, if you think about it, uh, there is two people standing in the way of of this president and that party walking away with this election reform. And that says we're going to carve it out to do election reform. We're going to get rid of the filibuster to do election reform. But one of the women standing in his way is Senator Kirsten Cinema, uh, uh, And she's running for another six years. The question is, will she be primaried? Will a Republican run against her? I don't even think a Republican should run against her. Here's what Arizona fo- uh, voters have said about their senator, Cut 11. I'm just pleased that she's... Uh not going along with her Democratic Party. I think she's going the right direction. She seems like she's fighting for the people, so that, that's always a good thing. I, I'm not happy with her right now. Like every other senator, like, I think they're in the news a lot, but I don't really see them working, really doing anything for us. Well, uh, she teaches. She works nonstop, and she made huge news on Thursday. We know that for sure. Senator Joe Manchin, I'm pretty sure they, they have that uh, in common. So meanwhile, Joe Biden came out. And it wasn't too long ago when he came out and spoke on this very issue. Uh, Listen to what he said. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's Uh death did. I mean, to make a ridiculous statement like that, George Floyd and Martin Luther King talking about the effects that they had, one over the course of a career, one because he tragically lost his death, uh, while on illegal drugs and refusing to comply. But they overdid it. Everybody gets it. There's people in jail. There's others' lives are ruined. They're going to be tried a little bit later. But these series of uh, uprisings from burning uh, the autonomous zone in Seattle to burning the Minneapolis police station to what we saw at the Brooklyn uh, police station, what we saw for the whole summer from two years ago, uh, that in many ways seems to be have subsided. But all left is really the criminals from here on in. So that's where we're at when it comes to the number one issue, I think, is crime right now. That's why I made it number one today. The number one issue, especially in this New York City, is crime. And sadly, it has gone up since Mayor Adams came in. He has reinstituted, I have to say, and I'm very heartened by this, the plainclothes unit, to be at the anti-crime unit, be able to get ahead of things before they happen, get to know the people and the perpetrators before they act. That's one of the hopes of uh, of doing that, and he's done that. He says they're going to put more people on the subways. He's doing that. But what he's doing is not condemning a DA that's not going to prosecute these crimes. That makes me think that New York is going to head where Larry Krasner brought Philadelphia, uh, where we see... Uh, Gascon bringing Los Angeles, where he left off when it comes to San Francisco, and uh, for the most part, almost every major city. So when we come back, we're going to go live on FBN. We're going to talk to Stuart Varney on his 12-year anniversary. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade.
Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, I'm about to go on with Stuart Varney and FBN. Last night, I was able to go on Larry Kudlow, and I thought we were just going to talk generally about what's going on in the world. I was shocked to see that he really wanted to open up his show on MLK, and he was talking about race in America and also where Frederick Douglass and how it relates and what Frederick Douglass would think about today, would he be canceled? Because he was somebody about self-reliance, and MLK was somebody who was not looking for, he was looking for a colorblind society, and where are we at right now? So if you guys want to weigh in on that, right after I'm done with Stuart Varney, and one 408 7669 playing off the fact that Larry Kudlow was kind enough to read my book, The President and Freedom Fighter. He's also uh, in contact with uh, the former president. Uh, President Donald Trump thinks he did a great job and thinks he should probably try to get four more years. And I think most of us will do that in a matter of moments. We're going to check in with Stewart, who's got the number one show on FBN. And we're going to be talking about crime, which we're very familiar with. I mean, every day when I leave here, if I sometimes I walk it, but other times I'm in a rush. I got to get right to the Long Island Railroad and I'll hop on a subway. That same Times Square station that this woman on 940 in the morning on a beautiful day, was thrown in the middle of this train. Brian, welcome back to the show. The president will hold a press conference tomorrow, his first in nearly a year. He has to be managed. How is his team going to do it? Which reporter is going to ask the question? What questions are going to be asked? Load the teleprompter in advance? They have to manage this thing. How are they going to do it? Well, I'm not too sure. See, for the longest time, I gave them the benefit of the doubt. With all the experience they had coming off President Obama, so many of these... Uh, some of these uh, men and women have been in government before and were just there four years prior. But when you see whoever loaded that teleprompter speech over in Georgia, when you see the fact that they never introduce him and seal him off from these press conferences, he walks out by himself asking pa- ask pandemic questions. He just walks away and pretends not to hear. He never has an expert around him. I am not going to give them the benefit of the doubt today. I think they just said you have to have a press conference, pick a day. He said Wednesday. And after making an announcement or two on, I got you some rapid tests that are probably going to be in your mailbox when I'm done speaking. And after that, it's all bets are off. And right now, Stuart Varney, if you just, and I'm sure you don't do this, but if you flip around the stations, nobody sees him with a good story to tell outside James Carville. Uh, That is true. It's dangerous territory, though, isn't it? If they let him just go out there answering any and all questions. I just can't see that, Brian. Well, a couple of things. Remember when he answered any and all questions with George Stephanopoulos? He told us nobody anticipated the fall of Afghanistan as quick as it did. Now, today, a revelation comes out that in Afghanistan, they told him the Air Force is not ready to support their troops, and they need some maintenance workers, and they need some contractors. And they said that. The inspector general released that report. They said it before we left. They said it January of last year. So we watch him sit with George Stephanopoulos and deny that anyone ever told him that this would happen or anyone told him that Afghanistan would fall this quick. And then we see our generals testify and, and basically well, walk him back. It's, it's must-viewing. It's must-view TV tomorrow afternoon because that's a big deal for this presidency. Let me turn to New York City. The mayor, Eric Adams, he says the subway is safe. Uh, this comes after the recent death of an Asian woman who was pushed in front of an su- oncoming subway train. I just want you to think for a second, Brian, what must it be like to be an Asian woman living in New York right now? 
Well, I, I, I don't know about Asian crime. Uh, they said they've been targeted. They wanted to blame President Trump for that, but it was China that came up with the virus. Most people in America are from someplace else. You know, if the Irish were to attack us, I guess I'd be susceptible. But for any rational human being, they know we're an American first. Uh, if we were to have yeah, a problem with China, they know not to go after that. But this woman just happened to be somebody that just was waiting for a train this guy is 40 years old. His own family covered the New York Post today, knew he was deranged. They asked for help. They see his criminal record. They said he was normal up until 10, 15 years ago. But that's the story with the homeless. We watched video yesterday, uh, two days ago. Yeah. We'd see a homeless person getting a free jacket from a, a, a good Samaritan. That homeless person gets up and beats the guy and steals his phone. This is not look at the plight of the homeless. Most of the homeless are mentally ill and they're littering our streets. They're not getting help and they're committing crimes and they're they're lethal and, in many cases. And it's killing the cities. They want to come back and it's killing them. Uh, before we go, as you know, today is the 12th anniversary of Varney and Company. You've been with us for years and years and years. Do you have a memorable moment? Well, I think the memorable moment is when you became a citizen. I think that when you came out and I saw you before our show and then when you interacted with us, I think that worked. I also think it works, too, when you throw soccer questions at me and I actually like them. Because for the most part, at Fox, when you throw soccer questions, people, your eyes glaze over. But we're realizing we got the World Cup for the men and for the women. And we also called out the women for taking a knee uh, during the national anthem. So some of that interacting. What I most like about it, Stuart, is that you keep calling every week. So I love being on. <laughs> And congratulations on the 12 years I remember because when you got that extra hour, it hurt our relationships because you used to sit right there yeah. and at least once a week in yeah. jeans. You used to change for me, and I appreciate that. In jeans, and we used to be able to spar about things and help America become a better place. Now this is it. In fact, I don't even get to see you in the hall so much. So this is the moment for me. This is it, man. This is it. Big deal. So your success hurt my radio show. How dare you? Oh, sorry about that. I don't think it did, though. Uh, Kilmeade, you, sir, are all right. All That's right. a compliment from Congratulations, me. Stuart. I can't believe it. Thanks, buddy. All See right, you later. Go get him. Still 12 years young. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. One thing I did not talk about is what happened in Afghanistan. So this report uh, came out and is just as stunning. By the way, there's another major report being done. I talked to two people on this report, the after-action report, to find out what went wrong in Afghanistan those final days, as well as what happened with the airport. Remember, General McKenzie said, all I need is the airport. Now they're denying that they said that, even though he said it under oath uh, in front of everybody. Uh, in Afghanistan, so this declassified Inspector General report warned, now that we have it revealed, that Afghanistan was about to collapse should U.S. troops leave. That was in January of 2021. You know what happened in August? We left, and the whole thing collapsed, just like they predicted. Remember, they kept saying, Joe Biden said, no one ever told me this would happen. No one ever told me this was even a possibility. So the, uh, the report goes on to say that uh, on Monday that it's rare for a report like this to be classified, period. But once you classify it, uh, declassify it, to get declassified usually just takes a month or two. Well, this office said it did not know why the Defense Department took more than a year before declassifying this particular report and why it did so now, five months after the Taliban took power. And if you think this is disturbing, that the Afghanistan Air Force was unable to defend itself, they didn't have the capability to survive should the U.S. withdraw, if that doesn't bother you after 20 years, the fact that we got a heads up on it and didn't act and they want us to forget it, that should. 
especially for all those men and women that fought there and lost so much there. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep it here. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much Kilmeade. for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, one uh, 866 We're going to be joined by John Cooper at the bottom of the hour. Uh, John Cooper, you may know from Skillet, and he has, uh, was kind enough to interview me yesterday for the President Freedom Fighter on his uh, very successful podcast. Uh, he's got a book out called Awake and Alive to Truth, Finding Truth in the Chaos of a Relativistic uh, word, uh, World. And Kimberly Klasik is standing by to talk about crime in America and what she's witnessing uh, over in Baltimore, Maryland, in particular, where she was running for, uh, to be the 7th District Congresswoman. But before we do all that, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. At this hour, I just want to be clear. We don't know whether or not Vladimir Putin will invade Ukraine, but he's putting in place all the pieces to do so. Yeah, that's uh, Jeremy Bash. All eyes on China. And as you just heard, Russia. We see a big push to uh, get sponsors to bow out of the Beijing Winter Games that are supposed to start February 4th. Uh, Their disaster human rights record is the reason. And what NBA owner, you're not going to believe what he said about the Uyghurs who happen to be Muslims. Meanwhile, a bipartisan group of lawmakers, senators, showed up in the Ukraine to show their support for that country. Will it stop an invasion? We'll talk about it. Number two. President Joe Biden has had a very tough week with setbacks uh, for his agenda. One year in, Mr. Biden has the second lowest approval rating ever measured in the White House and has never been less popular nationally. The country is frustrated. A few days away from his one-year anniversary of inauguration, and it is black. It is very dark for him right now. (laughs) Uh, Crime is crushing American cities. Random acts of uh, just uh, one more thing. Uh, actually, hold off on that. One year into his four-year reign, President Biden stands damaged, angry, and his party is paying the price. As Republicans' popularity is surging simply because the Democrats can't get out of their own way. Now the White House has a brand new strategy. We'll reveal it. Number one. If you can't keep criminals off the street, you're not going to have safe streets. This isn't really hard. This is simple stuff. They have, or have an agenda. Their agenda is very simple. It's to ignore the law in order to support their own interests. And it starts with these liberal DAs who do not want to prosecute people that the police actually arrest. All right. Crime is crushing American cities. Random acts of murder and targeting of police has got to stop. The only woke DAs are against this. What does President Biden plan on doing? Get this. Executive action as it relates to police reform. I am not kidding. Kimberly Klasik joins us right now. Um, She is probably going to be a candidate again and is the founder of Red Renaissance. Uh, Kimberly, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. Kimberly, first, the astounding notion that the President of the United States will look at crime in our cities and want to reform cops. You know, it's so unbelievable to me that anybody would blame the police officer. I just want people to understand by the time people get in the hands of police officers, the crime has already been committed, right? So that person is usually already committed to crime. They are a criminal. But at the same time, this is a, a huge problem that we have in Baltimore City right now. Our state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, who is under indictment, but she is one of those progressive attorneys that believes that she can give a plea deal to some of the most, the most violent repeat offenders uh, because she thinks rehabilitation and everything should happen in the street. 
when really people should be rehabbed behind bars, especially when they're violent. And so unfortunately, not just the president, but many inner cities across this country are doing the exact same thing. They're being soft on criminals and blaming police officers so they can do this whole defund the police agenda. And I have to say, we've had instances where if a social worker would have showed up to some of these uh, instances where someone was having a mental health problem, they would have been in very grave danger because we've had people with mental health issues, uh, and, and they call it in as a crisis, a mental health crisis, and lo and behold, they have a gun on them, and they have shot back at police officers. This has happened time and time again. So we have to make sure we support our police, stop vilifying them. But you know what? This is the losing message for the Democrats. Yeah, but you also have a DA that's in a whole lot of trouble right now, correct? Absolutely. She's uh, being indicted right now. Of course, she's, she's guilty. She's innocent, excuse me, until proven guilty, but she's being indicted for perjury. Apparently, she lied uh, when trying to get some COVID relief funds. And, and of course, it, it was COVID relief funds out of her retirement, uh, but she was basically evading taxes by saying it was because she was having hardship due to the COVID pandemic when really she took that money and went and bought two vacation homes in the free state of Florida. So now she is under indictment. She actually requested this investigation on her own from our inspector general. And now she's acting as if she was shocked uh, that she has been caught. She, she requested this investigation. And by the way, she's tight with Kamala Harris, called her an inspiration who always does the right thing. Do you believe that? Well, it's no surprise uh, that they, you know, are friends and that's her inspiration because they're cut from the same cloth, right? If you hear our state attorney, Marilyn Mosley, speak, she always talks about that she's a victim and she's being attacked because she is a black woman in a leadership role. But at the end of the day, both of these women would not be in their roles if it wasn't for the color of their skin, the exact opposite of what MLK Jr. was fighting for. And so you have two women that have been basically using the race card to get anything that they want in this country including their high-powered position. So I'm not surprised that that's uh, Kamala Harris is her inspiration. So, Kimberly, you ran and you, and you did it very respectfully. You got the endorsement of the then-president, President Trump. What are your next goals? Because the city problems still remain. Yeah, so we're, we're waiting for the redistricting map. Uh, you know, in, in Maryland, Governor Hogan is a Republican governor, uh, especially on paper, but <laughs> we're waiting to see what happens uh, right now. Um, you know, our maps have been going to the courts. Uh, they'll probably decide whether or not the maps are fair. Uh, right now, they are not drawn so fairly, but we'll see if we get any pushback and some help from our governor. Uh, but as we wait for the maps, we do have an exploratory committee out there taking polling and things like that. So as soon as those come back, uh, we should have a decision in the next few weeks here. Uh, and that'll be something that you want to do, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't want to give up on, you know, the city of Baltimore, and I definitely don't want to give up on the American people. We have a lot of problems in this country. I don't have to explain it to anybody, uh, but we need people that are going to be out there front, uh, fighting on the front line for we the people and, and not for special interest groups or anything else. So I'm going to continue fighting for sure. So here's the thing that blows me away is that for the most part, the universal sense is we're against crime. Uh, we have now gone bent over backwards and empowered the criminal. So if I'm talking Baltimore, I must be talking about New York, Philadelphia, San Francisco, uh, Minneapolis and Los Angeles and in Houston and Austin. This is all defunding and scaling back of police while empowering uh uh, the criminals by not enforcing all laws, not just major laws, but all laws, and of course uh, downgrading them in terms of uh, penalties. So, having said all that, where's the Republican push to take advantage of this obviously uh, terrible policy from coast to coast? Is does the Republican Party understand that there's opportunities in the urban environment? 
Well, you know, that's a great question, Brian. I, I don't know if they do truly understand. I mean, you would think that Kevin McCarthy and so many others would be jumping on this, um, but I think there's there's always been this out-of-touch um, you know, from the Republican Party. Like, it, it is tough. And I talked about this when I ran for office. You know, when I showed up at people's front doors and said, hey, I'm a Republican, I'm running for Congress, they would tell me, you're the first Republican I've ever met. And I think for the Republican Party, we have written off urban areas for so long because we assume that they're going to vote Democrat. But this is the time. If there was ever a time, it would be now to take advantage of going in and persuading voters and letting people know exactly what the Republican Party stands for, not just safe neighborhoods, but school choice. That's another big one. The education system is failing inner cities across the country. And so I think that actually fuels a lot of the crime and violence that we see. So, you know, Republican Party, they need to jump on this. I hope that they do. Um, I'm hoping to see more outreach from the RNC. Uh, I know that Rona McDaniel talked about it. Um, so I'm hoping that it happens here soon. Well, I mean, it is trending your direction. The other thing that I find intriguing is the success of Governor Hogan, a Republican, in a red state. And there was a poll done that said, how would he do if he ran for the Senate against Chris Van Hollen? He'd win by about, right now he's up by about 12. Do you take anything from that? Being that, you know, you're not running in the whole state. You're running in a congressional district. But is there something to learn by his success? Yeah, I mean, I think statewide, you know, Maryland's a very blue state. You know, I think statewide, yes, he does well. Um, if you look at some of those questions and a couple of those polls, uh, people were saying, you know what, they did better financially under Governor Hogan. And I think people need to understand that. Usually when a Republican's in office, uh, Republicans do run things like a business, which I think a lot of times it should be run, right? you got to invest in your communities. And so I think there's a lot of black people now looking at this and saying, look, Governor Hogan wants to do something different, uh, and we're all for it. He put $150 million back into the police after Baltimore City defunded the police in 2020 uh, by $22 million. So, you know, they're looking at this and saying, look, obviously other people have our best interests at heart. And all of this is taking place, mind you, why the state's attorney is, is actually calling Governor Hogan a racist, right? Because he's saying that she says, oh, he's attacking me and my record because he's racist. And literally every other black person in the state of Maryland doesn't even see it the way she does it. So I take away from this that people are finally waking up, and it's very exciting. So when you hear the, the president of the United States on Martin Luther King Day say that if you don't go along with him— you basically are giving disrespect to Martin Luther King's memory. I want you to I want you to hear this and then tell me what you think, because you know what? He wants to federalize elections. Cut seven. And on this federal holiday that honors him, it's not just enough to praise him. We must commit to his unfinished work to deliver jobs and justice, to protect the sacred right to vote, the right from which all other rights flow. Do you feel as though the Republicans have restricted the right to vote, or have they brought integrity to elections? Yeah, the Republicans definitely have not restricted the right to vote. If anything, to really secure our elections, we need voter ID laws, and 80 percent of Americans agree with that. Uh, what the Democrats constantly talk about is they want more ballot harvesting, more unsolicited mail-in ballots, when at the end of the day, those are the things that get a lot of fraud in our elections. And so, you know, of course, the Democrats are going to push this propaganda I think it was very disrespectful to do it on MLK Jr. Day. Uh, he fought for something totally different. He would probably want voter ID laws in place uh, because there were a lot of people that had to fight for our right to vote, especially my right as a black woman. And so we want secure elections. Um, but, of course, you know, this is the Democrats' narrative. 
Uh, I thought it was also interesting that in that speech, President Biden compared uh, MLK Jr.'s assassination to the death of George Floyd, which is unbelievable to me. That also was very offensive. Uh, but this is a guy, you know, even when Martin Luther King Jr. was on the front lines fighting for civil rights, it was Senator Biden that was fighting against him. So it's funny now how the tables have turned. Right. Yeah, it really has. Uh, I want you to hear that comment from a few months ago. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm-hmm. death did. You, you are offended by that comparison, right? I'm very offended. And what's so crazy about this, Brian, is he was in office. How did he not remember the riots of 1968 that happened in every inner city across the country? And I have to tell you, even though we had our riots in 2015 after the death of uh, Freddie Gray, we were still rebuilding from the riots in 1968 due to MLK Jr.'s assassination. We were still devastated by those riots, and so were so many other cities. But, you know, that's just how, how out of touch this president is. And they just believe the American people are stupid, unfortunately. Well, it's a, it is happening. So we look forward to uh, what you have to say about this. I think more and more um, people of color are going to the Republican Party because no one can be pleased about what's happening right now. Uh, the president of the United States, uh, evidently his new reboot is going to consist of more Im- meetings and interviews with influencers like the Jonas Brothers, Olivia Rodrigo, and, um, and uh, Cooper, the intern. I think, do you think that'll help? Yeah, well, maybe to my five-year-old daughter, right, who watches those people, but not, not to anybody that's actually going out to vote. I don't understand why they're wasting taxpayer money on any of those initiatives. They have to focus on the things that they've already screwed up, like the supply chain issues, like bringing security back to our, uh, our national security, really. It's been under threat. We saw what just happened at the synagogue over the weekend. We still see the crisis at the southern border. There's a lot of things this administration should be focused on, but yet I'm pretty sure they won't because then they'll have to admit that they're doing a terrible job. Kimberly Clasick, thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. The founder of the Red Renaissance. When we come back, I'll take your calls. 1-866-408-7669. Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs, okay? You you bring it up because you really what? care. And I think what that's nice that you cares? care. The rest of us don't care. I'm just well, telling you a very care? hard... Wait, wait, I'm you're saying you, you very, personally don't care? I'm telling you a very hard, ugly truth, okay? Of all the things that I care about, yes, it is below my line. I, I care about the fact that our economy could turn on a dime if China invades Taiwan. I care about that. I care about climate change. You know, I care about a bunch of, I care about America's crippling and, you know, decrepit in healthcare infrastructure. But if you're asking me, that, do I care about a segment of a class of people in another country? Not until we can take care of ourselves will I prioritize them over us. Hey, what an idiot. Uh, this guy's name is Shamed Palapaida. He's a venture capitalist and he's a, a, a part owner of the Golden State Warriors. And he's just spouting off about uh, how he does not care about the Uyghurs. I can't believe it. It's okay to just to 
put a million people into a concentration camp. We provided the video. We have the eyewitnesses. You tell the stories. But that doesn't add up to anything that matters because this guy wants to invest over there. Same thing. Everyone sold their souls. I am, I'm a capitalist. But there's plenty of ways to be very rich in America and in the Western Hemisphere without, uh, without just saying that not only are you still investing, pushing the NBA to get over there, but you're saying, I don't care about this which to me blows me away. So he had to walk that back, but not before Ennis Cantor joined uh, Ennis Cantor joined Tucker last night. And here's what he said, which, by the way, he had a T-shirt on that said, Free the Uyghurs, uh, Ennis Cantor Freedom, Cut 31. You know, the funny thing is this guy, uh, this guy owns a company called, actually I have it right here, called Social Capital, where they pretend to care about social values and this is a virtue signal, and I have all these uh, recordings here with me. He pretends to care about the others, but the only thing he cares about is money and pr- promoting the CCP propaganda. And it makes me sick how he's using social justice to make money for Forrest's company. And I want to ask him one question. You know, one question. If your mother, if your daughter, if your sister was in those concentration camps and getting tortured and gang raped every day, would you still think about money? Would you, still, would you still remain silent? So I want them to answer that question. If someone needs a kidney, they just go grab it from them, and they put them in re-education camps and keep them in chains. Isn't that great? But we're going over there, and Coca-Cola, Airbnb, um, Intel, all these major companies who have signed, they say, with the IOC, not with the country, have no problem with their company being associated with this type of human rights deprivation. More from Ennis, Cut32. My manager texted me this video right before the game, and first of all, I couldn't believe it. I was very angry, very disgusted, and very disappointed. And, you know, his comments were so, I, I was like, I couldn't focus on the game because, because of his comments. I mean, you look at the Uyghur people, what's happened to the Uyghurs is one of the worst human rights abuses in the world today, and there is a genocide happening while we are talking right now. And him going out there and saying, I could care less, is a shame, and it is disgusting. He is uh, totally driven. And uh, I think, Ennis, weren't we the first show he did in this building? It might have been. You were talking to him early on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was talking to him for a long time. And we got him on television, got him on radio. He's a Celtic center. And uh, he is uh, committed. But almost nobody in the NBA has publicly come out to support him. Except for the San Antonio Spurs coach. But he hasn't done anything for him. But when February 4th, when the Beijing games start... How are those sponsors going to feel about being there? By the way, there's 13 million people in forced quarantine because of a handful of cases, they say, in China. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I'm just looking at my watch. We're going to talk to it uh, uh, we're going to do a, have a special guest with John uh, John Cooper coming up from Skillet. He's got a brand new album out. Uh, but at first, I want to find out if there's anything I need to know. More to know. All right, I think the answer is yes. We have a news anchor, Mom. She hasn't been reporting the news, but, man, she's still got the skills. She's got a two-and-a-half-year-old who had a meltdown. So she put, her, put him in her room and then did a report as if she was reporting for the news. It is hysterical. 
Kayla Sullivan reporting live from outside my son's bedroom where he's currently being detained until nap time is over. Now, this story does involve a minor, so I can't release specifics, but what I can confirm is my son is a two-year-old terrorist who held me hostage at the Olive Garden earlier today. It's important to note the friends I met there do not have children and likely never will after witnessing this situation firsthand. So that's, this is an... so that's Kayla Sullivan, a former reporter from Oklahoma. Herb, that view, and this report is so professional, it's got 30 million, I mean, it's probably more now, 30 million times it's been viewed on the app, 5 million likes. She started creating these videos as a TikTok challenge, and she began to make more and more uh, as a way to cope with parenting and share a few laughs along the way. As uh, Can you relate to this? Oh, completely. And the other beauty is, like, she's doing it as a reporter, but she's holding, like, a kid's microphone outside the bedroom. Right? It's a minor. We can't reveal his identity. Like, all those little subtleties are very amusing. Right. Um, she also goes on to how he had the meltdown over, like, catsup and, you know, that even, like, showing him Coco Melon, like, with an iPad and snacks didn't So she's done more than one. She does. She has a follow-up if you want to hear a little bit of it. Yeah, let's hear Hi, Kayla Sullivan here live with an update on the toddler tantrum at Olive Garden that's taken the internet by storm. Many of you requesting that I interview the eyewitnesses of the incident. So I reluctantly brought them in because they are quite judgmental. We'll start with Tammy, who told me I need to slap my two-year-old silly. Tammy? I did say that, and I would say it again. You were over there babbling about his feelings, asking, are you feeling frustrated? Of course he's feeling frustrated, but you know what he should be feeling? He should be feeling scared of you. You need to put the fear out in that child. Funny. But yeah, she and then she's dressed as different people, and she she should be an actress too. Honestly, they're so well done. Yeah. Also, she's uh, she says this whole concept of gentle parenting. Yes, has failed. Next, Los Angeles Rams breeze through the and beat the Cardinals of thirty four to eleven. Matthew Stafford has had a great career, but no playoff wins because he was with the Lions and they're not very successful. He was successful last night, thirteen to seventeen, two hundred and two yards. Uh, uh, and uh, by the way, uh, Odell Beckham who has been not made a major impact since he came over in a trade from the Browns, kind of forced his way over. He actually got released and signed. Had four catches, 54 yards. Uh, and he also threw a 40-yard pass, So, and he got a touchdown. That could be a lethal combination. Uh, we don't know how it sounded, though, right? I do not believe we do, no. Next. The Suns want the Sun, actually. I was going to say the Phoenix Suns' best team in the NBA. And the Sun, my favorite uh, my favorite son in any solar system, period, once had rings just like Saturn, according to researchers at Rice University. They say our home star once had giant rings of stellar dust that eventually fueled the creation of life on our planet. The study finds these rings actually prevented Earth from getting too big and developing a massive gravitational pull. Do you buy any of that, Eric? Absolutely, yeah. We can see other stars with similar rings around them. Is that because of that so new telescope that looks backwards? No, that one's not operational yet. We'll get first light from that in June or July, hopefully. And the reason why we can look into our past is? Um, it's a lot better than Hubble, so we can see a lot further. Right, back. and you see light travels slower, so a lot of things that have exploded, we just can't see it yet. Things that are that far away, the light is so faint, it's going to take a really big telescope to see it, and the James Webb is that telescope. Thank you very much for explaining that. Uh, now back to your regular regular job, as well as he's... Uh, uh, Eric's also an astronaut. Uh, quitters. Get this, two in three people have never completed a New Year's resolution. This according to a brand new study. Does this surprise you, Allison? It does. Well, do you usually complete your New Year's resolutions, assuming you make one? 
Well, not this year. I, this thing, the year was just a blur. I, I, was anyone celebrating anything at any point? You were celebrating your book, Brian. Oh, that's right. Uh, the President Freedom Fighter, still available. Next, Taekwondo can help children control their emotions. I've heard this before. That's according to researchers at the University of Seri. Uh, it's from another country. After 11 weeks, students attending Taekwondo classes showed a much stronger capacity to pay attention to those attending gym class. I can almost see how that works, right? They have to follow instructions, but then they get to get out some aggression by, like, kicking or trying to split a block of wood. And they show, yeah, they show, uh, you have to show respect, which I think which is, is very important. important. Next, before there were war horses, a new study finds ancient humans bred hybrid donkeys specifically for battling thousands of years ago. It's got to be the slowest battle ever. Don't donkeys, like, walk really, really slow? I don't think they walk really slow, but I mean, by the time the whole breeding process takes place, I mean, that's months and years. Right. I'm very mad at you. Let's get these two donkeys and make them procreate. (laughs) Yes. And they'll create the super donkey. Right. But that being said, not to keep on plugging your books, but when you read like your first books, right, how long it took just to get letters back and forth. So it sort of makes sense. All right, the beasts called congas were stronger and faster than normal donkeys. They're also much quicker than ho- quicker than horses. That's not possible. Why don't we stay with this? Uh, according to the scientists in France, texts and carvings from ancient Mesotopia, Mesotopia, uh, dating back 4,500 years, show that the elite used pack animals. For travel and warfare, researchers add this makes them the oldest known examples of animal hybrids produced by Syro-Mesotomian societies 500 years ago. You always learn more by listening to the show. Next, Mike Tyson, who is 55 years old, will fight Jake Paul. Despite a report the men were deep in negotiations to fight, Iron Mike says it is not true. He says, this is new to me. I just shot Jake in St. Bart's, and he never mentioned it. Mike was responding to a story published by The Sun on Monday where the outlet said Mike and Jake were in advance talks for $49 million. Tyson and Paul do know each other. In fact, Jake became a boxing star on the undercard of an Iron Mike fight when the heavyweight stepped in and fought Roy Jones Jr. in November 2020. I am surprised we're like two years later and Tyson hasn't fought again, and he was going to fight, they fight, uh, I think, two-minute rounds. Uh, they fight about five, six, seven rounds. People like to see them fight, and they don't really hurt each other. Well, do you think this was a story that was planted so maybe it gets out there and they can get the $49 million? I don't think you need to plant it. Just yeah, do it. Just do I it. Mean, just do it. I don't know if $49 million makes sense, but they might be up to something. Next, shark attacks more likely during a full moon. I've always said this. In a review of 55 years of shark attacks, the team found the number of attacks goes up during periods of high lunar illumination and go down when there's less illumination. Researchers say the research for this is still unclear, but it's not because sharks are stalking more people out for the moonlight swim. They're finding plants to the moon's gravitational, again, that's that word, gravitational impact on the oceans and all life on Earth. For more on this, let's go to astronaut Eric. Eric, do you buy any of this? I mean, is it because the sharks can see better during a full moon? But, I mean, do, by the way, do sharks blink? We'll have to check that. Hmm. How does that have anything to do with hunting? But no, does, does, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, how do sharks know if it's a full moon or not? Well, they can probably see. I, I mean, it's probably that they can see better during a full, full moon is what I would say. But yeah. Maybe uh, it is that tricky word of gravitational pull. Next, are you a coffee pro? Half Americans think they make excellent baristas. 2,000 Americans looked at how people like to personalize their favorite beverages and found that 54% think they could make uh, make it as a barista by customizing drinks. To me, 
No way. I mean, I listen to these people. Can I have a half calf? Can I have a little whipped cream on this? Can I have uh, chocolate chip on top uh, with a little bit of espresso decaf with almond milk? To me, nobody should feel as though they could do this. So you wouldn't feel comfortable or confident enough to make your own pumpkin spice latte? I would not have it. If, if I depended on myself for my happiness, it would never, when it comes to food or drinks, I would never be satisfied. That's why you just add water to so many things. Yes, uh, that's true. I add water to my soup, add water to hot chocolate, I add water to an empty glass. They do have instant pumpkin spice lattes, though, from Starbucks. Eric, do you know, any, do you know no, that for sure? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> he knows about space. Listen, when we come back, John Cooper joins us. He's from Skillet. He is Skillet. And he's got a brand new album. Don't move. Disagree with Brian? Call now and tell him why. Can somebody attack me, please? 866-408-7669. It's Brian Kilmeade. There it is. That's John Cooper of Skillet. Uh, he's got a brand new album. It's called The Dominion. It's out today. Uh, oh, January 14th. What is today? That was last week, right? So I'm, I'm just forgetting. I just want to give up on January because it's so cold out. I just want it to be March where I have tremendous hope. Uh, but John Cooper's with me right now. He's lucky enough to be on his podcast yesterday. And uh, John, welcome. Congratulations on the album. Thank you, Brian. It's great to talk with you. Thanks for having me on. So tell me about Surviving the Game. What was, what's that song about? Oh, man, we all feel like we've been surviving the game the last couple of years, right? I wanted to write not just a song, but an album that felt like the post-pandemic rock album of the year. You come out of this thing, you're ready to go to the gym, lose all that COVID weight. I know everybody out there needs to lose the COVID weight, but also gives you a hope for the future and a tenacity to face whatever's happening in your life, this fear pandemic, uh, people that have been sick. We have people that have lost their jobs. We have inflation. There's a lot to be uh, you know, concerned about right now, but people I think have given up their hope and they've given up their liberty, and this is just a celebration of freedom. So, Dominion, I'm telling you, it's the post-pandemic rock album of the year. Go check it out. See, I'm so I'm so glad you didn't do what uh, what we saw Luke Combs do. He writes that song called Six Feet Apart. It becomes a number one hit, but nobody wants to remember that. You're not going to want to hear Six Feet Apart three years from now. You wrote about life afterwards, right? Absolutely. I'm like, let's don't focus on how, how difficult this has been. Let's focus on freedom. Let's focus on choice. In fact, I dedicated the album, the liner notes, I dedicated this album to freedom, liberty, those who gave up their lives so that I can have it those who are still putting their lives on the line for us every day, and those who still are willing to, to sacrifice their life for this great opportunity we have to, to make something of your life, be who you want to be. I, I, I love America. I love that I can believe what I want to believe. Nobody here is forced to be a, a left, right, or center, or a, a this religion or that religion. You have the liberty to do it and make something of yourself. So I really want to encourage people that, that have suffered during this pandemic with depression and 
just loneliness and isolation and negativity. Put that away and, and, and let's get some optimism. Take the world by the teeth, you know. So I hope that people hear those messages on this, this uh, new record dominion. So you look at this and you say, well, you know, America's free, but Australia was free. It doesn't seem too free now. France, if you're not vaccinated, oh. don't plan on going anywhere. In Italy, it's against the law not to be vaccinated. So all these Western cultures are under siege. Did you feel somewhat under siege over the last two years? Well, I personally did, yes. And I, I'm really amazed that people are willing to give up their personal liberties so so easily in these Western civilizations you know, that you just mentioned. I have hope that America is not going to go down that road because there are a lot of patriots, a lot of people of like mind that are saying, hey, enough is enough. We, we've given a gift to the world of freedom once before. I believe that America could give that gift again. And I think that there's enough people standing up right now saying we – we do not need to give this up so easily. This is a gift. So when do you get back in front of crowds, or are you doing it already? I'm doing it already. Now, truth is, it is a little difficult. You know, there's some – basically, it just tends to be the red states that are, that are open. And I'll go play in any state. I'll go play anywhere that will have me. But right now we're playing mostly, of course, the red states, playing in front of crowds and arenas. Uh, we, I refuse to play any vaccine-mandated shows. Um, I took a little heat for that, but I don't care because it, I, to me it was worth putting my career a little bit on the line if that's what I had to do for something that I really believed in. So we're playing in front of people now, giving people hope. I've met so many people that said, man, I, I, John, you had no idea how much I needed this show. I needed to experience the music. Music helps people get through their stuff. And, and like I say, concerts are one of the only places in the nation, concerts and sporting events that you can come into a room with Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Christians, non-Christians, anti-religious people, Muslims, whatever. You all come together and you celebrate music. And it's one of the only times we can all get along these days. Music helps people through hard times. And I'm just really thrilled to be able to still be doing this for a living. I'll play anywhere that I can. Uh, he's a two-time Grammy Award winner. Are going into this album already sold 12 million. What role does religion play in your lyrics? Well, religion plays a role in everything that I do, you know, uh, because it, it's it's who I am. It's the way that I see the world. God gave me hope. My mom died from cancer when I was young. I was 15. God gave me hope through that, and he, he became a refuge for me. In fact, the Bible says that God is my refuge and my strength. He's always there in my times of trouble. I knew that I wasn't alone, and and I think that right now, people all over the world are feeling absolutely alone. And so uh, again, that my religion does play a lot because I, I write about uh, this hope that I have in God, this hope that I, that I tell people, you do matter, your life actually matters. So you hear those messages come through in the music. Skill is a very inclusive band. We have lots of fans that are atheists and agnostics and that sort of stuff, but they always pick up on the hope. And people come to me and they say, John, I'm not a Christian. I don't get the Jesus stuff, but your music makes me <laughs> feel good. And I, I, I love that. That's what music's supposed to do. It brings people together, man. Yeah, you also have your songs are very familiar for people that uh, do w, listen to WWE, ESPN, Major League Baseball. So it kind of works with sports, doesn't it, John Cooper? Yeah, it does. Skillet is a great band for sports for multiple reasons. For one thing, it's, it's positive. It's like get up and go music, you know, it's go to the gym music. Also, Skillet works good for sports because it is family friendly. You never hear cuss words in our music. You never hear songs about drugs and sex. It's, it's about life. So therefore, it's safe. 
It's fun. And, and we owe a lot to WWE, ESPN, uh, uh, NFL. We just had so many big supporters. And I think that family atmosphere probably also really helps. So uh, if people go uh, check out the new record Dominion, you're going to hear those positive messages, family-friendly messages, uh, and, and a great rock album, I hope. And what's your approach with your, uh, with your podcast? My podcast is basically this to talk about the things that are happening in culture, but, but, it, but in a way that normal people can understand it. You know, I would, I would say it like this. I hope to do my podcast the way that you write your books. When I read your books, I don't have to be a historian. I don't have to go to college and get a degree in history. I read your books, and I go, oh, that just makes sense. That's the easiest way to explain this. My podcast, I try to do that in a cultural way to explain the differences and to explain – things like liberty and, and these great philosophies behind America and and in Christianity as well. Gotcha. And, John, it certainly came across, and I appreciate the interview. It's it's up there now. So, John Cooper, uh, congratulations on the album Dominion. And we're playing out with one of your songs. What song is this, Eric? Same one. We're playing the same song uh, coming out. Uh, congratulations, John. Thank you so much, Brian. Great to chat. This is Surviving the Game. Skill it. Download it. Brian Kilmeade Show. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.